Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with George, David, and Ori, professional film, animation, and visual effects artists that have established themselves in the board game industry, creating cinematics, animation, and effects for Kickstarter videos. Together, they've created a new YouTube channel where they review and react to Kickstarter videos discussing the behind the scenes and how they come together. Gentlemen, welcome to The Binge. How are you doing? Glad to have you. Thanks for having, hey. Thanks for having us. Woo-hoo. We, we made it happen. <laughs> no problem. So I actually reached out to you guys uh, pretty much as soon as I saw your first video. I'm like, this is bang. This is like right in the sweet <clears throat> spot of what we love to cover on The Binge. Uh, you guys are very gracious to agree to uh, to come on this podcast, so I do appreciate it, especially since it's pretty late for some of you. Why don't we start off by introducing <laughs> ourselves and talk about the, the uh, your companies that you're coming from, and then we'll get into the actual uh, new YouTube channel in a second. So let's start off. Ori, can you tell us who you are, your company, and kind of where you're talking to us from? Uh, so first of all, thanks a lot, James. I mean, that's, it's amazing the reception we got for those two first episodes and you reaching out to us was like, yeah, it was, it was just fun being, uh, knowing that we managed to make something that resonated with people. Um, I'm Ori, I run Kagan Productions and I sort of started this uh, business around three years ago when it became a freelancer. I'm an editor slash animator for about seven years but freelancing for about four years and three years, uh, I sort of decided to, you know, let's take board games and let's take animation and, and put them together. After seeing all, all sort of Kickstarter videos, I realized this is a really good place for me to, to try to find my niche. And I'm very happy to say that in the past half year, I managed to do this full time. So I don't need to work with uh, high tech companies or with the, uh, uh, small businesses, um, just board games, just board games for me. So I'm, I'm very, very happy and grateful for that. And you're joining us from where? I'm from Israel. So it, <laughs> the time is it's, it's 1, 1 a.m. for me. Uh, the kids are asleep. Everything is yeah. quiet now. So it's the perfect time. You know, it's when I work. This is, I'm a night owl. So <laughs> I'm 100% right now. And for people who are watching us live, I, I've got to hover the screen right now on your web, uh, on your website. I love your logo. Uh, so the, the, the Kagan Productions, and you actually got a picture of a duck instead of the Ductions, which I think is just uh, just awesome. Well, like I said, I'm a, I'm a dad, so I'm, I'm allowed to make puns. So. <laughs> <laughs> dad jokes always wanted, right? Uh, David, why don't you tell us uh, who you are and where you come from and uh, how, you, uh, how you're kind of tied into this industry? Awesome. Thanks, James. Yeah, again, thanks for having us. Uh, it's pretty cool to, to be interviewing about a, a new show that we've got. Um, yeah, I'm in the Toronto area, uh, originally from New Jersey. So I'm dual citizenship, but that's where I'm at. Not too late here right now. Um, I've been an animator for what, 15 years now, uh, working in television and, and, and uh, film. And yeah, about what, four years ago now, I started game design and I designed a game called Fossilus. Um, and that got put out by Kids Table Board Game did really well on Kickstarter. And when we were doing the Kickstarter, I offered my services. I said, hey, I want to do something for the Kickstarter. Can I 
you know, they already had someone doing the video. So I said, can I make some gifts for you? Mm -hmm. And I got two buddies uh, who helped me out with it. And that kind of started the ball rolling with thinking, hey, maybe I can make this a side business. And that's where Mesa Game Lab uh, grew out of. So it's me and myself, uh, my buddies Melva Conti and Marcus Kirk as well. Uh, so it's the three of us doing doing all the work. So there's two things I want to cover off here. One, sure. um, that campaign did, I believe, about a quarter million dollars. So it wasn't a small campaign, right? So no, you're, yeah. you're, you're a little modest with, oh, I was working on this game <laughs> called Fossilis, is this little game, this little thing we were working on. It, it, it was it was a very big campaign. So congratulations on that. That is thanks. Yeah, awesome. it did it it blew it blew our minds how well it did. It's yeah. a great game. And the and the it's second important. question is I need you guys yeah, to George? help us with this debate. Is is it gifts or is it gifs? <laughs> I said gif. I said gif. I think in the last episode, I I said both words five times. Did you? Yeah. (laughs) Potatoes, potatoes. It is potato, potato. Because I think I've I've read that the creator calls them gifs, but then he's he's fine with gifs. And by the word, what it's called, it starts with a hard G. uh, Right. Graphic something. Yeah, graphic. So for me, it's gif. That's awesome. And we're not too far from each other. I'm actually just north of Toronto. So. uh, it's cool to uh, to talk mm. with another Canuck. Absolutely. All right, George, tell us about who you are, where you're coming from, and your company. Thanks, James, again, also for having us. Uh, honored to be here. Another Canadian here, even though I grew up in Greece. Um, oh, nice. I'm George. I'm in Calgary, and I run Oniro, and it's a Greek word, actually. That means dream, and I've always been fascinated by that word. Uh, my background is filmmaking. The joke I like to say or the story I suppose I like to share is that when I was like 10 years old or so, my first ever movie was in Greece. I had stolen my dad's camera and uh, it was starring my mother as the murderer and she killed all my friends. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it, nobody's ever going to see that. Uh, but it was um, a fascination I had with movies ever since I was growing up and I was, you know, making stuff. And I started, I would say about 20 years ago or so, starting to make videos where I would actually be able to charge money and slowly but surely, I grew my production studio, Lucid Light Studios. And um, I always love game. I've, I've always had a fascination with board games and video games. I'm a big geek, as you probably can tell. And so being able to combine the two passions about four years ago, where I did some stuff for Roxley Games, some of it was just for free because I love their games so much. And they're also here in Calgary. Um, and then I started doing things on the side. And then uh, I would say fate uh came into play here a year and a half ago where i lost my day job mm-hmm. and i decided that you know what i am never working for anyone else again i'm going to take owner full time and yeah for i guess almost two years in october um been doing this full time and i've had the immense pleasure of working with as you know the industry is full of incredibly nice people and everyone oh, yeah. wants to help each other and i have met incredible people i've worked with incredible games and publishers and i couldn't be more grateful and it today brought me to this which is awesome so it's cool when i see three people who have and it is important to go through that so people can understand you guys each have your own companies right you're, you're separate entities that have come together to do this really cool thing but being competitors and as you mentioned this industry we often coin the term which i can't take credit for i first heard it from uh chandler uh, copenhaver from uh, uh crowdox who's now with uh, backer kit was uh right? Competition. So you've got all these competitors that are technically competing, but they're trying to help each other, right? And help each other yes. out and uh, encourage each other. And, and really, we're all trying to get the whole industry to kind of to, to grow and, and, and rise. Because, you know, if we can make that 
pizza bigger then everyone's slice is going to grow at the same time so how did the three of you guys connect though how did that all work out i think i think it started you answer that yeah yeah i i know we had george and i were casually talking on facebook um i don't remember if it was you or i who reached out to each other first but i remember one of the first times i I kind of said like oh it'd be you know i've been thinking i've wanted to reach out to you to you know see if we could do some sort of video together talk about kickstarter videos because um you know there's a lot of shows that talk about kickstarter campaigns and review them say if they're gonna back them or whatever but they always seem to skip the video uh, (laughs) not really talk about it too much so uh and then he's he kind of said you know i was thinking along the same lines and and we both thought of ori as well as like someone who who we could ask uh to come in so it was kind of like we were on the same wavelength about it And you know what, James, my thing that's always been true for any businesses that I've started or done is like, do the thing that scares you. And a lot of people were very, you know, surprised that I reached out. And actually, David, I think I reached out to you and and to Ori, because I I have this thing where I always do this, where I found all these quote unquote competitors, but I was so Mm -hmm. in love with their work and your Mm -hmm. guys's work that I had to reach out, Um, even though it scared me. I'm like, what are people going to think? You know, am I trying to steal ideas, whatever? But it was the best thing that I could ever do. I love what we're, you know, our friendship has developed. We have, I've had so much support by these guys. They're amazing. And also it just helps me improve just, you know, seeing how well everybody's doing. And, and obviously the show was a good result of that. So, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I had a few people I reached out to that weren't too sure about it, I have to say. <laughs> but yeah, these, these two guys were amazing about it. And yeah, I love you guys. I, I think I reached out to you first and you sort of popped like, I'm so happy you you talked to me. I've been <laughs> oh, wanting to talk. Now. It was like shouting in the void. And we like, <laughs> we, I think we talked until for me, it was like two in the morning and, yes. you know, it was just like an office buddy all, all of a sudden yeah. because, yeah. you know, it's the only thing I miss from a day job is having oh, yeah. office buddies and people to yeah. talk to. So I'm just here in my house. But it's also, so, I think, I think we knew we all had the same thing in common, right? We had the, yeah. the, the job, the animation, and the, and we board know, obviously love board games. Yeah, yeah. So it's like which was hard yeah. to find in the industry. You know, you I joined all these groups and I started to try to, you know, co- post a comment about you know the videos that I was working on or other people were working on, but it, you know I was not doing reviews or I was not doing so I yeah. didn't fit with that crowd as much. So mm-hmm. anyway, so yeah, I found my family, I think, and that's why it worked <laughs> so well. <laughs> Is, is it fair to say, because you guys all have different styles and, and um, backgrounds. So I, you know, everything from film to photography to, you know, animation. What's something, for instance, uh, George, that, that you've learned from the other two since you've kind of connected with them? Uh, ways to do things faster. I remember <laughs> explaining, maybe even in the last episode, I don't know, I, I don't remember, we have so many conversations where I would do certain things because I was just learning, um, you know, uh, with COVID when it hit, I wanted to expand the business, for example, and I started learning 3D just a year uh, and a half ago or so. So I would just, you know, roll dice in 3D as if you would roll them in real life. I had no idea that you can actually flip, you know, the the 3D model to a point where, you know, where you want it for Mm -hmm. the result you want to get. So imagine the times that I wasted. So things like that, like- (laughs) You just keep rolling until you got the right number? Like digital yeah, types, like he would he would use digital, dynamics. Yeah. yeah, it's called dynamics. And how many did he say? Like six dice? He had six six-sided dice, which had to fall on the same face 
<laughs> that is a good example of things that you know um you know that somebody would would maybe complain about an issue they're having in blender or whatever software and the other person would be like actually i've discovered this and it's it's so wonderful to be able to do that yeah what about you Ori? is there anything that you've learned from the other two guys Wow. Okay. So one of the things I've been chasing ever since I also got into 3D like a year and a half and two years ago yeah. was I saw videos or a video by John Meatling, which we talked about in the previous episode, which the cards had actual linen texture on them. And seeing that just blew my mind because I was only 2D animating until then. Yeah. And also George had these and I would start bugging him slowly how do you get those textures and, <laughs> and he was being a, he was being you know teasing me about it giving me some <laughs> sort of uh, clues and and tweaks and, and stuff like that and eventually you know i managed to find you know the perfect recipe which i liked yeah but george really helped me along with that and also <laughs> tons of of little tiny tricks which i i would have never thought about without you know doing like a lot more videos like you know, just having a pile of cards. So you would think in animation, you would just pile them on top of each other. But no, that's not realistic. Cards would always be tilted a little. So yeah. George said, yeah, you just put in a randomizer on the tilt and then it looks real. There's just one button, you click it and all the cards move a little and all of a sudden that's photorealistic. So it's tons of tiny, tiny, tiny things. That's cool. Um, and David, what about you? Is there, what's something you've learned from the other guys? Technically, wise it's hard because we're I'm the one I'm the one guy out who doesn't use Blender. These, these <laughs> Blender guys, I've used Maya my entire career, so I'm doing that. So, but but just just being able to bounce ideas off each other, and then also seeing their finished products, and you know, getting ideas off of that, and and just other ways to be. Oh yeah, I could uh, incorporate that, or you know, not just them, just just seeing other good examples uh, uh, on Kickstarter. Like last our last show, we talked about. Um, uh, shelfie stacker and and the way the guy moved the camera and would yeah, go in and out cool. with the depth i was like oh i gotta start doing that in my in some of my videos because i hadn't been playing with the depth and there was another one i think you guys commented on where there's it might have been episode one or two where there's the box so the whole environment is kind of moving and then when you realize as it zooms in you're actually in the cover of the box yeah so that was the of... yeah that was the fall of the mountain king uh yeah that's crazy. And, you know, and each week we discover new amazing videos that come yeah. out uh, either from each other where we get inspired. It's one of those things. It's just a never ending um, circle of uh, cycle of improvement and excitement and inspiration. You know, like even mm -hmm. when one of us does something, we're so happy for that person mm -hmm. and we're yeah. excited to ask how they did it. But similarly, when we discover each of us discovers a new video that someone else made, we want to meet that person or have them as a guest now, you know, and just because, you know, we're always so excited about, you know, where this industry is headed and, you know, the quality of these videos gets better and better. And mm -hmm. it's also kind of scary because <laughs> then we have to kind of meet that demand. Or it's it's, yeah, it's, there's in one of your videos, I also, um, uh, you know, actually you might even mention it both. Uh, it keeps coming up where um, you'll watch a video and then you'll say, well, who, who did that? Who did yeah. that video? And in it, some cases, there is no answer. They, 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 they haven't published who actually made the video. Why is that? Why, why do you think that is that there's a certain percentage of the Kickstarter videos out there where the works has been amazing work that's been done, yet the credit isn't given to the person that, that did that? 
it's literally one of the missions we discovered as we started creating the show where we're looking at, you know, Kickstarters we love and we just can't find that information. So I don't know why that is, but like you said, you mentioned that a lot of uh, uh, artists before our talk before you said that a lot of artists are very shy about talking about their work and they're very, yeah. you know, they're very uh, um, humble, let's say. So even if they don't, just from absent-mindedness, the creator won't post credits, the artist won't reach out and like demand it. Yeah. So we're hoping that maybe we can raise a rate awareness and have also those people over and interview them and, and you know, just, just raise this, this side of Kickstarters that is sometimes overlooked. Yeah, it'd be good That'll to kind of that. normalize uh, creators putting us in their, in their team. And we always ask... Um, you know, even sometimes, you know, can we put our logo at the end of the video? Yeah. Um, mm. But at least let it, let it give us the name of the person who does the great work on the, you know, they're such a big part of your, they're the first thing people see other than the image you click on. Everybody watches the video right away. So. So tell us a little bit about the show you guys have created. Now you're only two episodes in. I can't wait to see the next one. How frequently are you going to do episodes? Um, kind of what's the plan for the show as you kind of move along here? I think right now we, you know, we did two in two weeks. We we took a break this week, so we're, we're thinking on average probably two three times a month. I think um, right now we just saw the tabletop animator uh, react. Um, but before the show, you were asking us, "Oh, do you plan on doing anything where you look at your own work?" And yeah, that's yeah. that's another idea we have, and that might even be the next show we record. Uh, probably call it tabletop uh, animators create, and we'll look at the videos we're working on. And hopefully get a little more, you know, behind the scenes and possibly put together, you know, some some ways to show like the process, you know, the that's what I'm always big about. And, and even on my website, I have a whole I had a, a commissioned a whole infographic on the process just to see all the visualize all the steps, because it's a lot of work to, to go from, you know, a script to, to that final rendered image that, that you see. Okay, like I said, it was really humble. It's a really cool graphic. It's like a video game, like Mario, and it just goes down and it goes through all the levels and there is all the, it's amazing. Go check it out. <laughs> Certainly on brand, I'm sure. Uh, how many hours goes, so if I take like a one minute video, all right, and if you guys are responsible for producing that video in its entirety, how many hours are we talking about to do, to do a one minute video? Yeah, I can take that. I was going to say, it'll depend on the video. However, you know, a lot of people are surprised with how long this actually takes. Um, because it, especially if we're involved, like a lot of the times, you know, we, um, we look at a, a, a client's uh, game or even history of games. We want to make sure that, you know, we, we have an understanding by the end of it to feel like we're part of their team. Mm -hmm. um, uh, because how am I going to advertise something that you have created, put blood, sweat, tears into it? You know, how do I make justice of that? So a lot of the initial times is spent in getting to know the client. What are they hoping to see? What's the game about? You know, um, even playing the game sometimes early on helps. Um, but then, you know, a lot of clients don't come to us with a script. Some do. So a lot of pre-production time is spent uh, figuring out the script itself, uh, then going out and finding the right voice actor to perform the script. Um, and in the meantime, you know, we're, I have a, personally, I have a, a checklist that customers are using to provide us with all the necessary artwork and things to come in. A lot of time is spent there. Usually sometimes 
if we don't get things with layers or things that we might need. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if it is a 3D, because uh, I do live action as well, so there's a little bit of a different process. Yep. But if it is a 3D animation uh, with 2D animation, we need to then you know, create all the assets in 3D. And so, yeah, I mean, for us personally, it could take anywhere from a week to three weeks, depending on, hmm. you know, the complexity or length of the video. Yeah, I'd say at, at minimum, it's like 40 hours of work Yeah, um, mm-hmm. for kind of the simpler videos yeah. to, you know, 80 or more mm-hmm. on the, the really kind of, you know, eye-popping ones that we've, we've all done. Actually, yeah, that surprised we me. We can I... fit in the schedule because, you know, it's, it is 40 hours, but there is so much, so many other projects and you need to find the time to fit it in. Yeah. And honestly, we put, I've definitely, I definitely put more hours than, 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 than <laughs> we tend, to, for, tend yeah. to estimate for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would assume it was months uh, for some of these videos. I mean, they are um, the, the level of animation that is, that is done. And I'm sure you guys have figured out shortcuts and ways to speed things up, but having dabbled, I, I can't imagine how long it would take uh, to create one of these videos. Um, another question, which you guys know is coming, uh, which a lot of our listeners uh, would probably ask, and certainly a lot of the publishers, is what kind of range can people expect for kind of like a simple video versus kind of like your typical average video to something that's like kind of on the high-end premium side? And, I, and I'm, I'm asking this question from the perspective of, I think a lot of publishers out there, a lot of developers might not even approach uh, animators to do their videos because they are afraid that it's going to be way too costly or it's going to be way out of reach and they don't want to get in an uncomfortable conversation with an animator over kind of rates and so forth. So sometimes they just say, ah, I'll find another way around. Is, is it a fair question to ask and, and how, would, how would you guys answer that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, our pricing is uh, on our website for everyone to see. Um, as we joked about earlier, people still ask, which is totally fair. Um, I think for me, um, and I know, David, you can pop in anytime here. We talked about this a lot, especially at the beginning, because yeah. our backgrounds come from, you know, from film industry and yeah. doing commercials, doing any kind of weirdy work, you know, whether it's animation or live action, um, the costs are completely different, you know. So yeah. to answer your question, I mean, it depends on length, of course, but a Kickstarter video, for example, uh, runs anywhere from, you know, 2000 Canadian to 4000 Canadian, uh, depending on, you know, again, length. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for me, I, I have been approached so many times, I'm sure the guys have too, by first time designers, uh, mm-hmm. and they right away say, thank you so much for your time. Uh, this is beyond my budget, which is completely understandable. Yeah. And early on in my career, I've, I've really wanted to help certain guys who have especially been so passionate about their game and I want to help. Uh, but you know, now that the company is full time, I'm not as able to do that as often as I would like, um, and, you know, and I mean, for us, we've also developed a subscription service for publishers who have a lot of things coming out and there's a lot of discounts involved in that, but, mm. you know, there's also that commitment with the, with the, with us, with a publisher and we create this relationship and they know what to expect. So we try to find ways to help publishers save some money. Um, but at the same time, there is a realistic cost that's involved in all of sure. this. It's a, not unlike printing a game, you know, like that the factory needs and they have the certain requirements for cost. And I try to explain that to people too. And this is one of those things, you know, we can always, you know, undervalue certain, you know, work or hours that we put into it. But like you said earlier, these things do take a lot of time and effort. Yeah. 
Ori, what would you say is the best way a client can, um, can brief you on a game? How best do they do that? Well, George did mention earlier that compared to like high tech companies or, or other commercials and stuff like that, you can actually sit down and play the game. Mm. And that's fun. You know, I'm playing a game and it's for work. So no one disturb me. This, yeah. <laughs> this is part of my job. Um, but yeah, the, I'm, if it, and if not playing the game, then at least like looking through the rule book and looking through the graphics. And sometimes we did mention this in the show, or most videos, Kickstarter videos have these two sides to them. One is what we call the flavor. Okay. And that's the, you know, the, the theme of the world, you know, zombies or, or dinosaurs or, or, you know, teacups or whatever. And then there is the game, the rules mm-hmm. and and the gameplay and how does it play and the object of the video is never to teach the rules it's not a how to play video how to play videos should be much 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 simpler this is just to get them to scroll down okay it's just to get them hyped and the most important thing is to emote an emotional experience because Mm -hmm. why do we play games we play games because it gives us gives us this emotional experience of being in front of people and and the fun and the excitement and and the tension and you know, depending which game it is, that's the emotion we want to uh, uh, the video to to uh, get out of the viewer. Hmm. So, should there's we, yeah, I was gonna say, should there still be flavors in there though of what the game is at least about? Because oh, yeah. I know from my perspective, when I watch a Kickstarter video and I see this great anim- animation and great story. And I'm watching it for like a minute and I'm like, what the hell is this game about? Like, (laughs) this is a great story, but it's telling me nothing about the game. Actually, I saw one like that recently where it was was all story and they had game stuff in there, but there was no voiceover. The voiceover is all story. I I couldn't tell what the game was about. And I think think... it always needs to be a balance. There needs to be a balance. Balance is the key word. George, what I, was just, I was just going to add to the fact that, you know, and I think we also brought that up in the episode too, is it really depends on the project. You know, it really yeah, depends yeah, on the game. Um, and one of the biggest questions I ask the clients is who's your target audience? What are the mm-hmm. kinds of gamers you're going after? You know, what are the backers? You know, I'm a, a lot of different types of backer myself. I sometimes back something because just because one component stood out to me and I have to have it, you know, I don't even know what the game's about. But there are other times that I back a game because I love the experience that it's telling me it's going to provide me, me and my friends. And it's about the game mechanics or it's about, you know, it's a style of game that I like. So I think, you know, we were talking about Paris in the last episode, for example, and I felt that it was okay in that one to include a little bit more of the rules because it was targeting a specific audience, you know, that was maybe perhaps more interested in the gameplay. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think, you know, as the guys talked, when you have these meetings with your clients, that is when you figure all of that out and yeah. find what's the best way to tell the story. Cause I think we're all so passionate about games, but we're also very passionate about storytelling, yeah. but ultimately we want them to succeed. And so what mm-hmm. is the best route is I think. I think when, sorry. I think when a, when a client comes um, without a script, I at least ask them, I want an outline. because You know your game the best. You know what the hook is. You know what you want your backers to see. Mm-hmm. So at least give me an outline and then I can kind of build the video yeah. around that just to make sure I'm showing what you want to show. Storyboard. Yeah, I just, just want to. Yeah, uh, go ahead, Ori. Yeah. yeah. If they have my clients, if, they, if it's even hard for them to do that brief, which David mentioned, I just tell them, just 
shoot out on the page what excites you the most about your game. Yeah. Mm, and I there you that. get to the core of the game and you expand that into the video and you find all the things that connect to that. You're going to ask about storyboard? Yeah, I was going to ask about storyboards. Uh, so when you go back to the client before you obviously want to start animating anything, you want to make sure you're aligned with the client. What's your approach? Do you storyboard it out or do you bring them like samples of here's some other videos what other people have done and we're going to kind of do it like that? Like how, how do you map that out for the client? For me, I think, I think that's one part of the kind of general pipeline of animation that I don't include because it's very time, you know, mm. uh, laborious. Uh, it takes a long time to draw those boards and, and then change them and whatever and present that. So that would add a lot of hours to the cost. Um, so what I generally do is, you know, we get a nice tight script and then I'll do like a, a really rough 3D animation just so they can get an idea of the flow of it, the camera with the music and the voiceover all together. And that's kind of how, how I like to work at the beginning. How do you approach it, George? For me, it's actually, again, very dependent on the client. I, uh, I don't have the structured process that David does. A lot of the times comes to trust. The client says, I want something <laughs> like this that you've done before. And I'm like, I can do better. And then it just happens. <laughs> and then they're surprised. Um, but I'm kidding. There is, you know, there's certain clients, which we have gone into a lot more detail. There is not only, you know, a visual script that goes with everything that's being said. There's a, there's even, you know, reference images and things. And yeah. a lot of the clients are open to that, which is very exciting. Also, you know, sometimes that back and forth really helps, you know, have some of those surprises. The magic that is in that sometimes yeah. comes out because of that. But other clients, you know, they really don't know that world at all. And they're like, we trust you fully. And both sides are great, you know, yeah. so we try to, so it really is adaptable. So the challenge sometimes with the surprise me approach um, <laughs> for an agency, right, is um, you, you create what you think is amazing work and the client sees it and they're like, yeah, this isn't what I had kind of in my mind. Have you ever had a situation like that where you've created something that you just think, oh, this is this, this is gonna be awesome? And then they get it and they're like, Yeah, I was kind of thinking we're gonna go the other way, not this way. Not in the board game industry. Thankfully, <laughs> no. I was gonna say I'm very yeah, lucky. I haven't had that. Knock either. on wood. You're lucky. <laughs> and again, <laughs> I think I think that's in our structure, at least like I said, I, I give them a rough version and yeah. that's that's where they can give me their notes. After that, then you need to give me much smaller notes because you can't, you know, once we're already past that, you can't give me big, oh, I want this all different because, yeah. So it's baked I, I, at that point, I guess, is it? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I can give an example of something crazy I did. Before you do that, tell me your process. I want to know what your process is, Orion. Is it different from storyboarding? I'm, or just I'm approaching similar to, it, Yeah. I'm similar to George where it's sort of, um, I like to surprise my clients. I give them... I don't have the storyboarding much because, you know, with other animation uh, videos, you need to create the art. You need to show them the visual style. Here, it's a board game which the visual style exists. Mm -hmm. So you don't really need to create something new. You just need to show how you're manipulating. Mm. So usually the most concrete thing I show my clients first is like 30 seconds of final video. Before rough animation, I just do final, final animation. I show, if it's a 3D video, I show the environment before but I really let them feel the, the flow of the video, like for, for 30 seconds, which could also be used as an ad for yeah. their campaign. Um, but in, a, in a, a project I just finished from Maximum Apocalypse, I had this final shot where it sort of zooms out and you see the board. And I was like, that's a little boring. I mean, this is game is about a post-apocalypse with zombies. Let's do something fun. 
character and i just put in characters running and crushing the board game and zombies chasing them and them shooting and just blood spatters all over the floor and it goes it was not in the script i didn't tell him about it and i just sent the file and (laughs) he got it he's like that's awesome approved so (laughs) i took the risk it took me a whole day to do but it was worth it i guess part of the the benefit you have is that most games when they're getting ready to launch, it's a finished game, right? So they already have a theme they've already set up. They've already got kind of the basic story of the game set up. The mechanics are set up. So there is a bit of a sandbox kind of established for you to kind of play in, I guess, versus kind of coming in with a blank piece of paper, right? So maybe that's why you got your luck uh, has been uh, you're running at hundred percent right now on, uh, on the luck factor with people being happy. And you know what, James, one thing I love more than getting paid for the project, and it really stems from doing videos in the past for clients, but I did four years in the wedding industry. Mm -hmm. And just that surprise uh, moment when you reveal the wedding film to to the couple, and sometimes it's been a year since then. That emotion that comes, I want that for the clients in the board game industry. And I recently shared a post that about a client who got emotional when they saw the video. So I'm being selfish sometimes on this aspect where I just don't want to show anything just to get that yes, response. Exactly. You know? And so, <laughs> it, yeah, sometimes it, you know, it, it, it just gets, and it, you know, they put so much work into their games. And for some, that's the first time the game comes alive. And, sure. um, and, and we, sh- we have so much of that responsibility that we share to make sure that that, you know, anyway, I, I just take so much pride in that. And I always look forward to that moment of that feedback and, you know, and sometimes there's changes and that's great. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's just that first viewing that I'm excited about. Certainly. I think when I, when I look at each of your portfolios, it, you can tell that you guys care and you can tell that you guys are passionate about this business. Uh, for me, I think this is an area that is um, probably underappreciated. And I think what this new uh, channel that you guys have created, this new show is going to help people do is going to help them appreciate, right? The things that are, are underappreciated. Maybe it'll help uh, highlight some, um, some professionals out there that are maybe not being highlighted right now uh, by showcasing their work. And uh, I just think the, what you guys are doing here is, is just awesome. And I'm so glad that you guys came on this podcast. I want to wish you all the best for this coming year and um, please stay in touch. And if anybody wants to reach out to you guys, we showcased all three websites uh, on our, uh, at the beginning of this, I'm going to put them in the show notes as well. And if people want to reach out to any of you guys, just simply do it uh, through, I guess, a contact form on your websites. Absolutely. Yeah. That's perfect. Thank you so much for doing that, James. Awesome. Yeah, fantastic. Great. Thank you guys. And have a great year. You take care. Thank Thanks you. for having Thank us. You, Thank you. All right. Cheers. It's been amazing. Bye. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.